The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokea Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 7009-1000. We're going to read verses 13 to the end of the chapter. After this, Brother Eric is going to come and lead us in song, and then Brother Phil is going to preach the message today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, and in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let's pray. For those of you that are at home watching this on iPads and phones and laptops and every other version of screen that is out there, uh, we wish you could be here with us this morning. Uh, we pray that there is a quick end to not just coronavirus, but these restrictions that we have on us right now. Uh, if you were in Ephesians, just put your finger in there or a bookmark or something. Hold your place there. We'll be coming back to that passage. And also just place a bookmark in 1 Peter. Uh, we'll be spending time in 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2 again as we continue through our study on Keep Thy Heart. All right, let's pray together and then let's uh, get into God's Word together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, as I prayed this morning and as I communed with you this morning in, in preparation for this, in preparing my heart and my mind, Father, you reminded me of the fact that these concepts, these examples, these things that Peter lays out for us here, whether it be having the heart of a child and, and desiring that sincere milk, or whether it be having the heart of a foreigner, whether it be having the heart of an ambassador or, or even the heart of a soldier. Father, we understand these concepts. These are not strange things to us. And yet, Father, so often it is so difficult to take what is theoretical, and translate that into what is physical, what I, what I do. 
And so, Father, this morning as we study your word and as we look at this passage, as we look at being strangers, as being foreigners, and having the heart of foreigners and protecting our own hearts in that, Father, I pray that this would not just be an example that we shelf, an example that sits in our notes, an example that we understand the concept of, but Father, we would grab hold of this with both hands and we would grip it and we'd apply it to our lives. Because Father, as we realize and as we grab hold of these truths, these positional truths, they change us. So Father, this morning as we study your word, I pray for all the people at home, Father, watching on various devices, I pray for those of us that are able to come here. Father, that this would be seamless, that you would keep data flowing. And Father, that you would work through me. These would be the words of the Holy Spirit working through me, but not just Father, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful that we have your word. And we're thankful that it can be applied to our lives and change us. Father, you're good. In your name, amen. amen. <coughs> Again, I apologize. I'll probably cough a few times through this. I'm still struggling with the remnants of uh, a certain illness, which we will not speak of. For fear of reprisals, I don't know. Are we reprising against that now? I, I don't know. Let's quickly look back at what we studied last week. Uh, last week we introduced this series by looking at the importance of the heart and of our mind. A- and how susceptible both of them, both the heart and the mind, are to damage. And how that damage can have a huge impact, a a snowball effect on the rest of our lives, on the way that we live. And and when I'm talking about that, I'm just talking about our physical hearts. As we study the Word, we see that the same thing applies to us spiritually. The damage that happens to our heart when we choose not to walk in relationship with God impacts our life. We talked about the importance of having the heart of a child and growing in the likeness of an adopted child of the king. In the same sense that a child desires a mother's milk as it is growing, we as believers must desire the sincere milk of the word of God and we must grow from that. We also talked about the fact that just like a child must grow, so must the believer. And you will not grow just on milk. We must go from the meat, we must go from the milk into the meat of the Word of God. And we looked at the fact that while the Bible refers to us over and over and over again as children of God, we're not meant to stay as a child spiritually. We're meant to grow. And as we grow, we can apply these other things. And this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that we are foreigners. To be a foreigner from my homeland, I must be mature enough to do that. 
Next week, we're going to talk about being an ambassador. To be an ambassador, I must be mature enough to take on that role. The week after that, we're going to talk about being soldiers. Again, to be a soldier, I cannot be a baby. I must be mature in the Word. I must know how to use it. I must know what my enemy is going to use against me so that I can best be prepared to use the Word of God. This morning we're going to continue talking about keeping our hearts. And in 1 Peter, we're going to see what it means to have the heart of a foreigner. So if you will, this morning, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, we're going to get a little bit of context here as we start, just so that we're not confused later on. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Verse 2, elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, there's a, there's a couple of important things that we need to understand if we're to understand the context of this letter written by Peter. From the outset, we see that his authority, the authority of Peter, comes from Christ. He's not just making this up. He's not writing because of some personal grievance. This isn't a personal hobby horse. He's writing under the authority of Christ. The next thing we see is who he's writing to. He's writing to the strangers scattered abroad. Have a look at it. First Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect. So these are believers. So here's Peter writing from the authority of God, writing to believers, writing to Christians, people who have already accepted. Christ as their personal Savior. But I want you to take a step back. He refers to them as strangers scattered. Now, in our modern vernacular, in the way that we speak, that seems a little bit odd. We don't write letters to strangers. And if we do, it's usually because we're trying to sell something. Or we've created some fantastic scam and we're trying to break into their computer and steal all their money. Or because I'm a politician and I'm trying to break into your life and steal all your money. But we don't write to strangers, do we? I get these emails all the time from people that know me. Dear sir, we are the Greatest company in the world at making pink and green polka dot elephants. And and we think that your great company would greatly benefit from our product. And you would be unwise not to buy our pink and green elephants. I get these letters all the time. And every single one of them talks about how great their company is and how great my company is, but they have no idea who I am and I have no idea who they are. And in the old days, I used to reply to them. 
I'd say things like, dear sir, you are obviously the most educated, the wisest human in the world to be able to read my mind and know that I need a pink and green polka dotted elephant. Please, in all your wisdom, tell me how I can use this in my business. I never once got a reply. Strangers. So I think we need to examine what Peter means here. Because he isn't writing to strangers in the sense that we might imagine. The word strangers literally means a foreigner, one who lives in a place without the right to citizenship. One who lives in a place without the right to citizenship. Metaphorically, if we're talking from a a spiritual standpoint, it's referring to Christians whose home is in heaven. Scattered. The next word he uses there, this is a technical term referring to Jews that were dispersed amongst the Greeks. They're away from their homeland and they've been dispersed amongst the Greeks. They are outside of their traditional Homeland. They're sojourners away from home. But what we must understand is this, this letter from Peter is not just written to Jewish believers who've left their homes. He's also writing to Gentile believers. And we see that throughout 1 Peter. Peter addresses his readers in the physical sense as believers who are from different places, from different cultural backgrounds, living and worshipping in places where they are regarded as foreigners. But they are united by the faith that they have in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I think he does this from the outset. I think he does this to remind them of what he's going to address in chapter 2, verse 11, that what he's talking about in chapter 2, verse 11, is not such a foreign concept to them. They already understand what it means to be a foreigner, just like I understand what it means to be a foreigner in PNG, and so do a lot of the people in this room. So come with me to chapter 2, and let's look at verse 11. We're going to see some of the same wording here again. with the understanding of what it means to be a physical stranger, a foreigner, let's look at this now from a spiritual standpoint. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I implore you, I'm begging you, I'm trying to grab your attention here. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now we're going to break this particular passage up over the next three weeks. And there's three different phrases there we're going to capture on. And maybe we could call them three different examples for how we should live We've already addressed last week the heart of a child leading into this study. And we'll have a look at the heart of a warrior and the heart of an ambassador. But for right now, let's just address what he says in verse 11. This 
spiritual concept, this spiritual importance of being a stranger, being a foreigner. We talked about the fact that a stranger in the metaphorical, the spiritual, in the spiritual sense, describes the believer as not being from this world as a foreigner on earth, someone whose citizenship is in heaven. And in this verse, in this verse Peter introduces another word to further broaden that example. He uses the word pilgrims. The word pilgrim literally means one who comes from a foreign country into a city or land to reside beside the, the natives of that land, the people that are from that land. If we look from a spiritual, a metaphoric sense, in reference to heaven as an individual's native country, one who sojourns on earth. So again, we see this picture. And now from a spiritual perspective is that of a foreigner, the picture of a foreigner residing in a land in a country that is not their own. And by now you're starting to get the point and you're starting to look at me going, all right, Phil, you're laboring this point. (laughs) But this concept, this spiritual position is so very, very important to us as believers and the understanding of it and the grasping of it It's so important to our growth in faith. It's so important to how we develop as believers. And it's so important to how we protect our hearts. We have this theoretical understanding of what it is. We understand the concept. But so often it doesn't translate to how we physically live our lives and how we deal with situations in our lives. And should. It should. My position as a citizen of heaven should not just be up here, in here. It should be impacting how I live my life. In Ephesians 2 verse 19, we read this in our scripture reading this morning. Paul comes at it from a different direction. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, turn with me there. Paul says, now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. Ye are no more strangers and foreigners. And here's the crucial bit. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners. But you are fellow citizens and you are of the household of God. As an unbeliever, as someone who is stuck, trapped in sin, you are a stranger to God's kingdom. You had no right to citizenship. But now in Christ, you have been granted citizenship to God's kingdom. Have a look a little bit further. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 down to 19. 
Ephesians 2 verses 8 down to 19 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We know these verses. For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles, you being in times past trapped in sin, you being in times past not a citizen of heaven, in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus. You know, whenever we see that in the Bible, but now in Christ, grab hold of that, anchor onto it, highlight it in your Bible because there is something there that we need to recognize. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off were made nigh, made close, brought into the kingdom of God, made citizens of heaven, by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in Himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and purchased peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. And through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Verse 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. Of the household of God. Of the household of God. Last week I asked the question, whose child are you? Are you a child of sin? Or are you a child of God? And this week, uh, allow me to ask another question. Where do you have your citizenship? Are you a citizen of earth? Are you a stranger to God's kingdom with no right to citizenship? Or have you placed your faith in Christ and are now part of the household of God? A citizen of of heaven. Can you answer that question honestly for yourself? If you're sitting there this morning going, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where my citizenship lies, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm a citizen of earth, I'm not sure if I'm a, a child of sin still, I'm not sure where I sit on what side of the fence is, then come and find us. Send us a text message, whatever it is, Papa John, Brother Eric, myself, 
Get in touch with us so that we can help you in this. Even as believers, I think we struggle to grab hold of the the positional truth that we have in this phrase, citizens of heaven. And because we struggle with this positional truth, we so quickly go back to the world. So how do I correct this? How do I keep my heart with all diligence? How do I have the heart of a foreigner? I'm going to give you four points, four notes this morning. All of them tie back to this thought of having the heart of a foreigner. And the first one this morning is the first thing that we as believers need to recognize is that we are indeed foreigners. We have to grab hold of, we have to to tie this to ourselves, we have to recognize, we have to realize that we are, as believers, indeed foreigners. We have to wholeheartedly grab hold of this. We are a new creation. We are the workmanship of God. We are made new in Christ. We are foreigners to the world. Have a look at Hebrews 11, verse 13 with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says, These all died in faith, having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Like those described in Hebrews 11, that must be our heart. That must be our mindset. I am a stranger. I am a pilgrim. I am a foreigner here in this world. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I I understand what you're saying. I see what you're talking about in the Word of God. I'm reading the verses for myself. And that's all well and good in theory. And it's all well and good in concept. But not so easy to apply when I'm still surrounded by the same people, the same cultural pressures, the same stuff as I was before I was saved. The pull, the the lure, the desire to be part of it all, to appease those around me is still there. But as I grab hold of this truth, as I dig into the Word of God and I make this real to me, Those desires, those pulls, those pressures begin to fade away. They begin to be less important to me. Friend, take heart. Have a look at John 17, verses 14 through 16. This is what Jesus said, and this should be an encouragement to us. John chapter 17, verse 14 through 16. He says, I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them. Phil, I thought you said this was supposed to be an encouragement. The 
world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but thou shouldst keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Believer, you are no longer of this world. But you have a Savior that cares for you and understands where you're at in your struggle. And you have a Heavenly Father that loves you beyond your wildest imaginations. And you have a Holy Spirit who is working in you and desires to guide you in truth. And you have this. You have the Word of God. And while that pull may still be there, and while those desires may still be there, and those pressures may still be there, God is there. And He desires to give you the strength and the wisdom to deal with those things. Last week I made this statement, and I think it applies here as well. The only way to truly keep your heart and your mind is to completely surrender it to the Father. The only way to truly keep your heart and your mind is to surrender it to your Father. That's counterintuitive. When we have something that is precious to us, what do we do? We bring it close. We want to wrap it up. We want to protect it inside our house. We put it inside a safe. But if you're going to protect your heart and your mind, you need to realize that you cannot trust yourself. I cannot trust myself to protect my heart and my mind. Only God can do that. The, the pull of this world is strong. The, the pull of culture is strong. But when you surrender to the Father, and, and when I recognize myself as a foreigner, no longer a citizen of earth, no longer tied to the cultural requirements of earth, no longer a slave to sin, and I grab hold of that positional truth, the pull, the lure, the desire to be part of it all, to appease fades away. Friends, protect your heart. Keep your heart by grabbing hold of, by resting in the truth that you are a foreigner. Our second point this morning. Realize that you are a foreigner not because the world has disowned you, but because God has accepted you. You're not a foreigner because the world has kicked you out. You are a foreigner because God has welcomed you in. I think this is a key positional change that we need to understand. You see, in our humanity, when you're removed from something, a position, a team, a job, a group of friends, a club, there are feelings of failure, there are feelings of dismay of discouragement, feelings of longing to be back with that group, accepted in the group again. Maybe you feel angry because you were unjustly treated. Maybe you feel hurt because you don't understand what happened. Maybe you're hurt because you felt like you were letting people down and that's why you got kicked out. 
But the positional change that we have as believers is not because you have been disowned by the world, not because you failed to live up to the standards and the expectations of the world. It's not because someone was better, someone was funnier, someone was faster, or someone was stronger, smarter, prettier, has come along and suddenly you're out. No! In fact, it's the complete opposite. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Has begotten, has made us anew. You are a new creation. Has begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that faith not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You aren't kicked out. You aren't disowned. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner because you failed to appease the world. You're a foreigner because God has accepted you in. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You weren't discarded by the world. You haven't, you've been bought with a price, just like something precious. You have a new life in Christ. Your citizenship has been transferred and secured. You've been chosen by God. You've been accepted by God. Before, your citizenship was one of someone who is destined to an eternity separated from God in the lake of fire. But now in Christ, let me remind you again what Ephesians says, now therefore no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. That's you as a believer of the household of God. Look back a few verses at chapter 1 of Ephesians. Verse 3 through 6 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise and glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us acceptable in the Beloved. Friends, you have not been disowned by the world. You have been transformed. You have been given Life, You have been made new. You are the workmanship of the Almighty God. You are accepted. You are chosen. You are a foreigner. You are a citizen of heaven. 
grab hold of that and let it change your life. Third point this morning. The heart of a foreigner recognizes that there will be struggles for a season, but rejoices and lives in this foreign land in a manner that glorifies God. Let me say that again. The heart of the foreigner recognizes that will be, there will be struggles for a season, but rejoices and lives in this foreign land in a manner that glorifies God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. It says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see Him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. As a believer, I cannot be naive to the fact that the draw of the world will always be there. That pull is always going to be there. The pressures of the world are always going to be there. The temptation to sin is always going to be there. The desire to just be one of the crowd, to just fit in, to just not be different will always be there. But as a believer, as one who recognizes and believes that I am a foreigner, a stranger, a citizen of God's kingdom, that I am bought with a price, I believe that I must live differently. And I can rejoice in the freedom that comes in those struggles that are born out of taking a stand and living differently. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 18 to 20. Another very well-known verse. What? It's almost like he's saying, are you serious? Don't you get this? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, that ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God. Colossians 3, verse 17. We teach this one to our kids all the time. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Why can we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus? Because we're co-heirs with Him. Because we are citizens of heaven. You understand that no one that is not a citizen of heaven, no one that is a child of sin can do that. They can't do it. 
We as believers, we can and should be doing it. If I'm to guard my heart and my mind, I must recognize that there will be struggles for a season. And as I dwell in this foreign land, I can rejoice in the fact that I belong to God. I belong to God. Let me give you the last point, number four. This one we've talked about a lot. Pastor Matt's talked about this a lot leading up to this. The heart of a foreigner recognizes that I must flee from sin. The heart of a foreigner recognizes that I must flee from sin. Last week we talked about dealing with sin regularly and decisively. And as a believer... As a child of God, as one who's been given new life, as someone who recognizes that I'm a foreigner, someone who knows that I'm accepted by God, as someone who knows that there are going to be struggles and temptations, but that sin has no dominion over me. And I can rejoice in the grace of God which sets me free. I must also recognize that sin can have no part in my new life in Christ. I must We must flee sin. Flee from it. 1 Peter 2.11 Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, look at the next part there, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Have a look at 2 Timothy 2.22 He lays it out pretty clear here. He says, flee also youthly lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee sin. I'm going to leave you with one last passage as we close up this morning. Turn back to Romans chapter 6 with me. Pastor Matt spent a lot of time in this passage and I'm not going to expand on what he said. I want to use it in the context of what we're talking about today. Romans chapter 6 verses 11 through 14. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. Let me speak just for a moment as we finish here on my experiences as a foreigner. And I don't want to offend anyone. We've got people from different cultures and different countries across the room here. But as someone from somewhere else, the, the culture here in PNG is not my own. I have no responsibility to it. It has no draw for me. They're foreign to me. 
The cultures here are foreign to me. When I was in the United States, despite the fact that the United States, that Americans are the most patriotic people you will ever meet. And for me as an Australian, that's like, yeah? I don't know about anyone else, but they're the most patriotic people you will ever meet. Uh, and, and they pledge allegiance to their flag. And despite all that, and I can watch it, and I can rejoice with them as they do that, there is no pull for me in that. There is no, nothing in that flag for me. Despite the fact that for them, I don't even know. I can't describe it. When I lived in Afghanistan and Iraq, people had a very different lifestyle. And despite the fact that we were immersed in their communities, there was no requirement for me to dress and to live as they lived. In each of these places around the world, and I could talk about other places, there were things that were exciting, there were things that I enjoyed, but in the end, they were not my own, and I longed for my homeland. Why? Because I was a foreigner. I'm a foreigner to Papua New Guinea, despite the fact that I've lived here for more years of my life than anywhere else. I'm a foreigner to Papua New Guinea. I'm a foreigner to America, despite the fact that our cultural similarities are so close. As a foreigner in Afghanistan and Iraq. In Romans 6, Paul reminds us that we are foreigners. He reminds us that the believer is now dead to sin, but alive in God. Sin is the mark, it is the identifier of anyone who is not a citizen of heaven. It's no longer the mark of us as believers. In verse 12, Paul says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Sin reigns in the body, in the heart, in the minds of everyone who is not a citizen of heaven. But for the believer, for the one who is a citizen of heaven, it does not reign unless we give it authority. Have a look at verse 13. Neither yield means to surrender over, means to give in to. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Paul tells us where your heart should be as citizens of heaven. Yield yourselves to the ruler of the kingdom of heaven to God. He's the rightful ruler of your heart and your mind. You've been bought with a price. You are a foreigner. The cultural norms, the pulls, the draws of this world are now foreign to you. Have the heart of a foreigner. Flee sin. Glorify God. Realize that you are accepted by God. 
and grab hold of the truth that you are a foreigner. Let's pray together in closing. Gracious Heavenly Father, again as we study this passage, I am just reminded of how undeserving I am of your grace. Father, there is no way on earth, there's no way in this entire universe that there is anything that I could do to deserve to be part of your kingdom, to be considered one of your own, to be a citizen of heaven. Father, in your grace and in your mercy, you welcome me in. Father, I pray that we would live like foreigners, that we would have the heart of foreigners. And Father, as we go forward this morning, these would not just be notes scrolled quickly on a page but they would be things that we attach to our hearts. Father, we love you. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 709-1000. Again, it's 709-1000.